This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Hold True Tattoo Studios. The new studio is now open in Hamilton, and if you're interested in getting any tattoo work done or discussing any designs, please contact the chief artist, Brian Bell. You can find Hold True Tattoo Studios on Instagram and on Facebook, so if you're at all interested, please check them out. Lisa, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Hi, brilliant. Brilliant. I was just thinking, uh, this, uh, this might be the first podcast where I pass out. I can't believe how warm it is today. Oh, I know, I know. Do you know, my oldest have just, has just asked me to put the heating on. Yeah, oh, no, no chance. And, He's clearly uh, coming down with something. <laughs> I've closed that window beside me because uh, obviously I, I don't want noise. From outside, but I think, oh my god, I'm gonna pass out here. So I've got, uh, <laughs> I've got my water. So MD's watching and followed us over the last year. This might be the first episode. If you see me going red and starting to slide off the screen, just give me a shout, and I should be all right. <laughs> uh, more to the point, how are you guys? Yeah, yeah, we're good. We're good. Thanks. We're um, sorry, I'm a wee bit late coming on. Oh, I was um, oh, trying the boys organised there, um, yeah, but yeah. yeah, we're good. We're really good. Thanks. Brilliant. How's, uh, things you? How's your wee boy's teeth? <laughs> uh, he's, he's grand. Uh, the, I, I always say I've got horrible teeth because, well, I do. And I'm trying to sort of play catch up now at this age. But uh, I'm so paranoid about his teeth. So he's, he goes off to the hygienist all the time. And we just like, we're all right. But uh, no, he's fine. He's fine. So everything's, everything's good. Uh, yeah, I just don't. I think if you have got something that sort of went wrong with you along the line, you try yeah. and make sure that uh, your wee guy or whoever's, it's not going to happen to them. So, hey-ho. I, I think, because uh, the last time we were chatting, he'd said that I think you were giving him cowpaw for his teeth. Right. Um, that I, was your, your big thing. You were you were terrified about giving him the old cowpaw situation. Do you know um, <laughs> That's that's probably a good place to start for us tonight, actually, because I went back. Uh, Lisa's been on the podcast with us before, and it was a way back in episode fourteen. Uh, I think this is going to be fifty three or fifty four. So, oh. that's all right. There uh, you're back. Okay. So this is going to be episode. I think it's fifty three or fifty four, but uh, I went back and listened to when you were on the last time, and we didn't even have this audio version it was all uh, the, the video version it was all just audio and uh, what we are going to talk about again tonight with regards to coal I, I was kicking myself the other day because I remember saying to you how worked up I got just if uh, if my wee guy got like a temperature for a cold or whatever so uh, I lost you again there I don't know what happened that's all um, right. yeah uh-huh. um, but I think like we said the last time, when it's your child, yeah, it's the end of the world. It doesn't matter how big or small it is. When it's your, oh, I'm so sorry. That's all right. The joys no, no. of having the joys of having three dogs and two kids. I have asked Dylan to come and um, put them in put them in his room, but he's clearly still on YouTube and decided he's not going to bother. Listen, don't don't stress because I keep saying this to people. This is the joy 
of podcasts. It should just be like this. It should be totally natural. People having a conversation. Uh, yeah, and if the dogs are barking in the background, listen, it's no stress. It's just like, <laughs> uh, right. So let let's kick off. Uh, and as I say, if you need to step away or whatever, don't don't worry about it. It's all it's all just nice and relaxed. So let's get an update on Cole first of all, how he's doing just now, and then we'll jump back a wee bit, and you can give us a wee recap. As I say, people okay. can go back to episode fourteen, uh, and that will fill in any gaps that we don't get to today. And I would probably advise anybody who hasn't heard your story so far to go back and and, and listen to episode fourteen as well. But how is the wee guy at the moment? What's what's been happening recently? Um, he's really he's really good. We had a, a couple of breakthrough seizures um January, February time. Yeah. Um they started because uh, the last time I was on I'd spoke about the fact that they changed the brand of his phenotone medicine, which had knocked him off. So that kind of continued and um even though they wouldn't initially change it, they um had um I'm going to murder those dogs. That's all right. I'm, I'm allowed to do that live on there. <laughs> murder my dogs. It's International Dog Day today. They always make sure he's on camera. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, that that kind of plays about because the the change for any child that's on a medicine who's got epilepsy, it is really dangerous to change the brand of a medication. And there was a big campaign down in London last year because of that, especially with the Brexit situation. Yeah. Um, it took me until. January to finally get it agreed to change his medicine back but by that time he'd been on it for a good few months so we had to go through the withdrawal and then the replacement of back onto the Delantin um, which meant that his seizures had a, a kind of reappearance thankfully they were very mild and they didn't they didn't come back as aggressive as they were um, before his cannabis oil thank goodness um, and by the time that we got them settled on Galantin, um, we had to play about with these levels again, um, just to make sure we got him even even off. So his cannabis has been up. Um, I'd actually um, spoke to the hospital and said, you know, he's showing signs of seizures. It's it's one every other day. It's for ten seconds. It's nothing major, but I'd really like to get his levels checked to see where we're at. And they had said that's you know bring him in. We'll get his levels checked, which they did. And they said, don't touch his cannabis oil. What we want to do is we want to put his phenotone up and we want to keep it up until we see some kind of uh, levels coming up, yep. which I agreed to at the time because, um, as I said previously, the phenotone uh, works off the liver and so does cannabis. Cannabis purifies your liver, so it makes things work better at a lower dose, which is good for Cole because it means that when he's on phenotone, which is quite a toxic drug, he doesn't need as much of it. For it to work because the cannabis is obviously making it work at a lower dose um so um he had his levels checked the levels came back the lowest they'd ever been at 5.5 and we they decided to increase his phenotone by two mils twice a day which is a massive jump for coal normally coal would go up by half a mil twice right. a day um so he was going up by two two mils twice a day which was big so i wouldn't I've increased his cannabis at that point anyway, just because it was such a quite quite a big jump. Um, but for two weeks, he was stayed on that dose and he went from having one seizure every other day to two seizures in a day for the first time since March 2019. Okay. So not only was it 
it not working, it was actually making him worse. Um, and when I went and got his levels checked two weeks later, they dropped again to 4.4. So to me, that was telling me that the ferritone, his body is rejecting it. It's not working the way it should work. Um, but the hospital, the NHS team, can only go on that because as far as they're concerned, goes only on one medicine because they don't look at the bedroom as a medicine. That's his private consultant and the private medical team that deal with that side. So I've now got two medical teams dealing with both sides of Cole's medicine and none of the two of them are speaking to each other. The NHS team won't speak to the private consultant. To be fair on the private consultant, you know, she was quite happy to speak to the NHS team, yeah. but they don't want anything to do with it. Um, so at that time, all they could continue to say to me was increase the ferritone because for them, there is no other option. There's nothing else to increase. You know, for them, it's like he's only on one medicine where right. had he been on two, which is the kind of standard practice of the NHS, they could have messed about with the other one, especially because he was already showing signs of side effects from the ferritone. And usually if Cole's shown side effects from any of the drugs he's been on previously, um, the minute he starts showing side effects, they stop putting that medicine up and they usually go on to the other medicine that he's on and kind of play about with that one and try to see if they can get it levelled out. Yep. So this time they couldn't do that. So they put the ferritone up. I'm saying to them, he's getting worse. His anxiety's through the roof. Has, um, he's got to the stage he doesn't even want to leave the house without a blanket over his head because there was flies outside, wasps, uh, jenny long legs, anything. He just petrified. Um, and, you know, when, when I said to them, his anxiety to the roof, he's showing side effects, he's having headaches, dizziness, you know, this, we, we need to look at the alternative, which is the cannabis. They were still saying, no, we're not, you're not giving it enough time. And I'm saying, well, I've given it two weeks and he's actually getting worse. Had he, had I put the phenotone up and within, you know, a week, he'd showed signs of either staying the same or getting slightly better yep. instead of having one every other day was maybe having one every fourth day or every fifth day then I would have thought right okay we're on the right track yep. um, but the fact that he got worse over a two-week period meant to me that he, wa he wasn't on the right track um, so I said to them that I was going to put his cannabis oil up that night which was a Friday night and since I put his cannabis oil up there no more seizures literally the next day they were gone um, and I sent the NHS team an email basically saying, you know, again, um, because the last time COVID seizures was um, August 11th, 2019, when I messed about and his dad was in hospital uh, on holiday. Yep. And I decided to bring it down thinking I knew better. The minute I put it up, his seizure stopped. And I said, you know, I brought it down. He said, a, a breakthrough seizure. I put it back up. We went away. This time, messing about with the brand of his phenotone, we've had to re-label him which we've managed, mm -hmm. we've put the phenotone up, it's made them worse. So now I put the cannabis oil up and within a day the seizures are gone and they haven't came back. Surely that's strong enough evidence to show that the cannabis is what's taking his seizures away. Um, but to this day, and that was over a month ago, I haven't had an email back, that email. Um, they are also testing coal for, um, they believe you might have a genetic condition which is too many folds in the brain. Um, I haven't had a meeting with a consultant to find out in detail what the thought process is behind that or how likely that is that it could have um, it could have appeared after 
his brain surgery when he was two and a half. Because my thought says, you know, Cole's had brain surgery at two and a half. That part of the brain that was removed would have been examined. Mm-hmm. Um, had he had this jet- genetic condition, um, I'm assuming it would have been from birth. Yeah. And if he did, the too many folds in the brain would have been obvious on the tissue that was removed from his brain because it was the outer part of his brain um, that was removed. Um, so they, he had to go for a 3T MRI scan just over a month ago to find out what was causing his epilepsy to regress almost because he was doing so well. And yep. um, they wanted to see if there was some kind of genetic condition that, that would explain that. Um, but we don't have the results back from that either. Actually, Neil Damask, and if there's anything back, the extra still don't have it. Um, I, I don't know that I think that he's got a genetic condition. I think the reason his epilepsy is regressed is because his cannabis oil has helped so much. Yeah. Um, but it could be that there is a genetic condition that, that's came later on um, after he's two and a half. I, I don't know. I don't know enough about it. As I say, it was just a test that they wanted to do that I agreed to because the they didn't have to put him under general anaesthetic to do the CT MRIs. Um, Cole was an absolute trooper and just lay there, still as you like, on the promise of V-Bucks and the Robux. Yeah, I hear you. That's, uh-huh. that's where half of my salary goes now. Yeah, so does mine. See, for, for anybody that is just listening to this, uh, and again, we're, what we, we, we've been talking about five minutes, it might be worthwhile watching us on YouTube just to see how many times I roll my eyes tonight because I'm, I'm <laughs> some of the stuff you tell me just about the arrogance and ignorance uh, and I want us to jump back in a wee second and you can sort of give us a wee bit of the backstory uh, as I say we went we went all in the, the in episode 14 uh, I'll just keep saying that to remind everybody but we will get you to give us a a sort of a recap of, of just how Cole got to where he is just now. But it's, as I say, I get so frustrated that, well, it's been, it's over a year since I last spoke to you and you're still just meeting the same response over and over or else it seems that way. So yeah. uh, let's have a wee recap the now, Lisa, if that's okay. Just yeah. about uh you realising that Cole had epilepsy and what you went through at the time and then up to where you made the decision that you were pretty much going to take things into your own hands. Uh, so can you do that for us? Is that okay? Yeah, uh, um, Cole was diagnosed... Um, sorry, Cole took his first seizure at three months old. Um, he was very quickly diagnosed with focal epilepsy, which was caused by damaged tissue in the left side of his brain, which is known as cortical dysplasia. Um, he was at his worst having 20 seizures a day. Majority of cold seizures were through the night, um, so he wasn't getting a good sleep. Um, it caused development delays, but it didn't cause any um, physical um, disabilities. Um, and for the first probably kind of six years, it was, you know, trial and error. We tried medicine, didn't work. Cole, within a year, was they decided that Cole was drug resistant. Um, so we tried brain surgery when he was just two and a half. And we thought that that had worked. We got a, a period of six months where he was seizure free. Um, and then unfortunately, the seizures came back gradually for the first year after post-surgery. And then 
for the second year, they kind of came back and they were back to the way they, they had been. Um, after brain surgery, the, the only option at that point was, again, trying more medicine, three, four at a time, taking one away, adding one in, putting it up, putting it down. Um, nothing really seemed to, to give them any seizure relief for any length of time. We would maybe get two, three weeks at the very most where we would have, you know, um, less seizures, but they always came back. Um, and then in May 2018, um, co-seizures took a kind of different turn, which meant that when he was taking seizures, it started affecting his speech and his walking. Initially, it was it was very mild and you couldn't really notice it. Um, but by October 2018, Cole had, was suffering a thing called toy paralysis, which right. was every seizure he had, it was the straight after the seizure was almost like he'd had a stroke. And initially it would be kind of 10 to 20 minutes where he would be paralysed and unable to speak. And then it would come back gradually, maybe over an hour, um, until eventually by kind of end of November, Cole had toy paralysis that was affecting him for almost the full day. Um, so Cole had went from being a six-year-old boy that could ride a two-wheeler bike without stabilizers, full of life, full of nonsense, um, to a wee boy that couldn't even hold his own head up. Um, and you know, initially I tried um, campaigning uh, to the government for the the, the kind of unlicensed but pharmaceutical-grade uh, CBD product called Epidiolex. Yep. But by the time that I was granted one of only five prescriptions in Scotland for coal, it was kind of too late for them and good for me in a way because I then knew exactly what I was looking for and it wasn't a CBD isolate, it was a whole plant full extract, including the THC. Um, as I've said before, I was a police officer for 10 years, so I was, was quite negative towards cannabis um, and it was only through researching cannabis to prove myself right that I found out how wrong I was um, and that actually I had complete tunnel vision for a plant that you know that has given us our, our absolute miracle yep. which a lot of people tell me no, never to say never to say the word miracle but it's your miracle um, and um, you know initially when I'd first gotten a, a, a coal plant it was legal um, from a clinic in Barcelona called the Calapa Clinic. They pointed me in the right direction. And we we managed to stop his toy paralysis, but he was still having seizures. They reduced slightly, but he was still having seizures. So I knew I was on the right track. But for me, because I'd done so much research and I spoke to other parents who were also using cannabis oils, whole plant oils for their children, I knew that the reason it, it wasn't having the desired effect was because the THC was just slightly too low. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, I think the THC level was 0.2%. Um, I think our legal limit is 0.3%. So it was just under the legal limit. Okay. Um, and the, the cannabis oil that I use for coal at the moment is it's a 9 to 1 ratio, but it's 0.5% right. THC. So it's, it's minimally over the legal limit. Um, however it's only legal if you have a prescription um, so yeah so I had him on the, the CBD my CBD 10% initially it went really well and then I got the phone call off for me and it was one of those ones where my gut was screaming at me to say this isn't going to work Lisa don't even think about it but I think with you know 
it wasn't just my decision. You know, Cole's dad's very active yeah. um, in my family. Um, we're, we're are very active in Cole's life, so we all had a discussion and it was agreed that we would try it because at the end of the day, what could go wrong? Um, if, if nothing else, it was a box that we ticked to say we tried what they were offering, it wasn't going to work, and now we wanted what the other kids have, which was Vegelite. Um, we took them off the MyCBD. Um, the, the kind of plan was to take them off, but wean them off for two weeks and then start the epidiolics. Um, but the epidiolics was delayed, so it meant that Cole had it out of his system for almost a month. Mm-hmm. And so by the time that we went to collect his epidiolics from the hospital, Cole took the biggest seizure he ever had and collapsed in the opening of the lift in the Sick Kids Hospital. Thankfully, two nurses were there at the car park and they helped me. We got him into the hospital um, and we got a wheelchair getting back out to the car, started the epidiolics, had really high hopes. I, I, in my experience with other kids that had used it, I thought we would get probably about four, five, six months relief from epidiolics and then it would stop working. That's what kind of other kids had found. But unfortunately for Cole, it didn't work at all. Um, Actually, it was probably the worst he's ever been in his whole life. Um, And he started taking it beginning of February or middle of February. Um, And his dad works offshore. He does three weeks on, three weeks off. And so he just left Cole. But when he'd left him, he was on his bike, they had been away for the weekend, clay pigeon shooting, hot tubs, um, more, uh, uh, BMX biking, you know, quite kind of uh, activity break. And his dad had been offshore for three weeks. And by the time his dad came back, Cole was completely paralyzed, couldn't even hold his own head up, was drooling. Um, we were actually waiting on an assessment from speech and language to see if he could still, he was still able to swallow. Um, and, he, he couldn't speak anymore. Um, and David was, you know, he was in absolute shock. He was like, what the hell is, is going on here? Like, how have you allowed this to happen? Like, why are the hospital not doing anything about this? And we, I kept saying, you know, they kept saying another week, another week, increase it, increase it. And you kind of go along with it, thinking that maybe it will work. But as he got to the stage where it got so bad that he was actually rushed into hospital in March, unresponsive, um, that's when, you know, the decision was made that enough was enough. I had already got access to Cole's medical records. The plan was already kind of in place. It was just when was the right time to go. Um, and my plan was to fly over to Holland, go to The Hague, which is where the Transvaal is um, that makes Vegelite oil. Mm-hmm. Find a doctor over there that was willing to prescribe for coal. Um, and after four days of walking and seeing three different doctors, I finally got a doctor that would prescribe because the first couple of doctors wouldn't see us. They were, you know, they were too busy. They kept, you know, you walk into the doctor's surgery over there and the, the doctor's receptionist is like, can I help you? And it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm from I'm from Scotland. I'm looking to speak to a doctor about, and, and you're kind of like cannabis medicine. And, and she's like, sorry, you know, already there's a, a, a you know, a, um, accent barrier because it wasn't yeah. a language barrier it was just the accent yeah. and, and I was like cannabis cannabis medicine as if it was a, a dirty word you know and she's like oh cannabis you know cannabis is that at the top of her voice and I'm like yeah. oh, people are here shh don't tell yeah. anyone you know, as if it was this terrible thing um, because we're so used to the stigma here 
Um, anyway, we got to see a doctor. I told him Cole's um, full kind of scenario, all the drugs. I had a list of all the medications he'd previously tried. In fact, he had brain surgery. I had every part of his scans and everything on disc. And the, the doctor was actually really shocked that they hadn't offered it to me already. He, he couldn't believe it that, you know, brain surgery was the only option for Cole. Yep. Um, so they agreed to prescribe Bedulite. And when I came back, because Cole was in the hospital, it was very much like, what do we do? We need to get more Fepidiolex first. We can't just introduce this drug. Plus he's in the hospital, so they kind of need to know what's going on. Um, as much as it was a risk telling them, it was a risk it had to get taken because, you know, the first thing is Cole's safety at all times. And yep. I just wanted to make sure they weren't going to do anything, give Cole any like molding doses, which they ended up they did without me knowing. Um, and it, even at that point, the you know the, the consultant said to me with his in his hands, he's known Cole since he was three months old, and said, "He's I, I don't know, I don't know. I've never seen anything like it. Um, he's deteriorated so quickly, um, yeah. and we've tried. They've done lumbar puncture, they've done MRIs, they've done CT scans, they've done extensive bloods, extensive urine, and nothing was coming up. And the the, the all their answer was, this is just his epilepsy. You know, this is it now." Um, and the only thing that they could offer me was to either try the medicines that we'd already tried and go back over them, uh, which didn't work first time rounds, and we didn't have time for that, yeah. or brain surgery. Um, and the second brain surgery would mean that they would disconnect the left and the right side of his brain, which would leave my six-year-old son, who was riding a bike and you know living as, as best a quality of life as he could, Yep. Um, paralyzed down one side and partially sighted and you know there was no way back from that once that disconnection surgery is done that's it for Cole you know so um, I, I still tried to fight my case you know surely it's better trying this plant yep. you know I even agreed that I would get a lawyer's letter that I would take full responsibility if anything went wrong that you know it wasn't on their head it was on mine and they still wouldn't do it um, so eventually, when there was no option, um, they said, you know, what, what do you want to do? And I said, to be honest, I want to get back on whole plant. At this point, um, I believe now that they believe, they thought when I said whole plant, I was talking about the legal one from Spain. Because right, okay. obviously they didn't know that I'd been to Holland. Nobody knew. Yeah. Um, so when I've said whole plant to them, they've kind of said, well, look, we, we can't support your decision, but if that's what you want to do, that's what you do. Yeah. And I was like, well, I just need you to know that that's what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. I, it might have been a different conversation had they thought I was going to use Vegelite, which was illegal yeah. at this point, because even though a doctor in Holland had prescribed it um, legally, I couldn't have brought it back into the... Even now, if I've got a prescription for Bedulite, I can't go to Holland, buy it and bring it back. I have to get an importer to do that for me. So, yep. you know, there's all sorts of kind of rules and regulations around it. Um, but thank goodness that conversation took place. And, you know, we started them on it um, towards the end of March. And by the 11th of April, I'm sure it is, I've got a video of Cole running into school. Yeah. See, see when we got to this part of the story, on the last episode, when I was listening mm -hmm. back, uh, I listened to the full episode the other day there, and I thought to myself, 
there's something else I want to explore here or I want to explore with you just a wee bit sort of deeper. And I was new to doing podcasts and stuff at the time and it was like, kind of know, there was questions that, that I didn't ask. And the, I'll tell you what the question is. You're at that stage where, like, literally your six-year-old boy's life, uh, and it's, it's, it sounds dramatic, but it's, it's the truth was in the balance. How does a mum feel? What, what was it like, like, during the day, you try to sleep at night, that, that, we made a joke about me worrying about a silly cold and a temperature in my wee boy. I want to, if you, if you'll allow us, just to explore what you as a mother, how you were over that stage. I, I, I don't even know where you would start to deal with that. So, because you obviously got to that point where you said, no, look, we're trying this. This is what we need to try. But where were you as a, where were you emotionally or mentally just before you got to that sort of point? I was numb. Um, you're, you're running on adrenaline because really as a parent, when things get so dark and scary, you don't matter. Everything that, everything that you are and every bit of energy that you've got has to go in to them. So it had to go in to go. And I've got two wee boys. I've got an 11-year-old as well, Cole's brother, who needed me. Um, you know, in between their dad and I, we were we were shifting, taking shifts at the hospital and then trying to put a happy face on it to keep Dylan from from being scared of what was his brother was going through. Yeah. Dylan had witnessed his brother going, you know, downhill so rapidly and he didn't understand either. I mean, as adults, we didn't understand, as medical professionals, the hospital didn't understand. So what chance is a, a wee boy eight almost nine got? Um so you, for me. I actually don't know. Um, it was after I got cold better that I got quite sick. Um, mm. That's when my mental health took a dip because it was afterwards I was, I mean, I don't I don't sleep great anyway. Um, I'm the lightest sleeper in the world. So a pin drops and I'm awake. Yeah. But because I had never really had a sleep since I had cold, because cold slept in my bed every night um, and every night every time he took a seizure I was awake with him yep. holding him until he came out and making sure when he came out it he was okay and then I would lie awake for a wee while until my adrenaline would calm down I would go back to sleep for however long it took to the next one kicked in um, and that was my life so when we were going through this um, it, it, I was used to not sleeping but instead of me not sleeping waiting for the next seizure I wasn't sleeping researching Yep. and reading and researching and reading and messaging people and emailing politicians and emailing NHS um, chief execs and, you know, hospitals in different countries in the world, looking if there's anywhere and anything that I can do to make this easier for Cole. Um, but, you know, my boy's dad and I separated when Cole was only one. Um, he works offshore. I've got a job. I work for, for Unison, for NHS Lothian. Um, the boy's both boys in school here um you know it wasn't something that we could just up sticks and go and stay in holland and kind of ride it out it, it just didn't wouldn't have worked i would have been on my own um but had i needed to have done that that's what i would have done because that's just what would have happened um so you don't really get to to feel anything um it's afterwards when when you start to think i can't go through that again 
There's absolutely no way that I can go through that again. I'm not strong enough. So this needs to work. Yeah. Um, that's when I got quite, a, for me, my mental health um, took a, a, a real dip and I was an emotional wreck. And I spoke to his dad briefly um, after it. And he, David, such a guy <laughs> and doesn't really do emotion, doesn't really yeah. talk about his feelings, you know. Um, but he did say to me, I feel the worst now than I did when we were going through it, Lisa. And, and I said, I'm the same. And I think it was because we were no longer running on adrenaline. You know, we had our boy back. We were doing everything that we could to get him better. And all of a sudden, the emotions and everything that we would have been feeling through that period of time just hit me like a ton of bricks. And, you know, David was the same. So, yeah, I think it was afterwards that the, the emotion hit us. Um, at the time, you don't really have time to even think about yourself. This is, this is why I think what's, what's now getting called long-form podcasting and long forum conversations are, are are brilliant because like even I get defensive because I, I know and we talked about this previously like people just see headlines in newspapers or and you still get it and, and I, I can't believe I'm going to say this but like or imagine her giving her son these drugs and her, do you know and and it's it's important that you get a chance and I know you know that this isn't about you. I know that. But it's important that people get the full picture here to realise yeah. what you and your full family have went through. And that's the absurd part. What you've went through just to make your wee boy better. I mean, yeah. like, sure, this is about... I remember, I've done this in the last podcast as well. Get myself all wound up about this. <laughs> how this is even an issue that these kids and you're just about to tell this part of the story which is great how these kids can just turn around because of something that grows out the ground mm -hmm. it's the most natural thing in the world it's a plant and it's most natural form yet we're still nowhere near where we should be so but anyway completely brave mum uh makes the decision so tell us what happened there then like how how did you obviously got it in here to the country and then how was it started to administer uh, to coal and then it was very quickly that it started turning them around wasn't it yeah uh, there was a kind of false start because we started giving them it in the hospital and then the hospital decided that they wanted to start them on a drug phenotone and phenotone is like one of the kind of last drugs they would usually try because it's quite a quite a toxic drug, quite an old drug as well. And you know, you've got to keep checking the liver function. And if it's too low, it can cause seizures. If it's too high, it can cause seizures. It's really quite a particular drug. Yeah. Um, and it has serious uh, side effects, um, rare forms of cancer, liver disease, gum disease, heart disease, I mean, nervous system disorders, uh, high anxiety, depression. Um, Oversensitivity to, to to emotions. I mean, I mean, you name it. There's there's a list um, for for this medicine. Um, however, at that point, obviously, as parents, we're like, we just want them better. Yeah. Um, what the side effects were at that point, it was kind of almost like we'll deal with that later. Let's just get better first. Um, so the first night we gave him the cannabis oil, his seizures had halved, and we knew we're on the right track. 
Unfortunately, they then wanted to give him a loading dose of phenytoin, so we had to stop it for 48 hours. Yeah. And then after the 48 hours, they put him back on it. Um, and again, he continued to, to get better and, and improve. Um, they actually were supposed to keep him in hospital an extra week. And at the weekend, they were short of beds. So they'd said, look, he'll, he's looking great. Why don't you take him home for the weekend? He'll get to see his brother. Um, so David had went back to work and I was on my own. So I was delighted because I thought, you know, I can go home and spend the weekend with Dylan as well. We came home and he just was so amazing. He just get real, like he was eating proper foods. He was starting to try and stand up on his own. Um, and then I took him back into the hospital on the Monday to kind of almost check back in. Yep. And his consultant was on holiday at the time. So it was another consultant that we'd seen. And, and he had obviously been reading Cole's records about how terrible he was. Mm-hmm. And when we went into the, it was actually in the family room, we met the consultant because the, the other rooms were busy. I wheeled him in and he was in his wheelchair and I'd unclipped his wheelchair and I was letting him kind of stand up and I was holding his hands. And the consultant came in and, and, and sat down and, and said, I'm not really sure this is the same boy that I've got here on these notes. And I yep. said, oh, it definitely isn't. The boy that was here last week is nothing like the boy that's here today. Um, and Cole's trying to show off, as he always does, um, trying to stand up, trying to walk between the chairs. And I was like holding him because he kept losing his balance, but he was determined. And he said, he was like, I don't think that you need to stay here this week. I think you could continue his treatment at home. Um, I've, I've, I've scheduled into intense physiotherapy, intense occupational therapy, intense speech and language, and I can't remember what the other one was, there was quite a few, for the week. It'll be three times a week from now and for the next six months, okay. and we'll, we'll see where we go. We got home, and by three and a half weeks later, he was signed off from everyone. Yep. No one needed to see him anymore. And even the people that were seeing him didn't really have to see him after probably week one or week two. They were they were just kind of like, we'll just hang about just in case, you know. Um, he even got better than he was originally because Cole's always had a, a weakness in his right side because it's his left side of the brain that, that, that's damaged. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was completely gone. Yeah. Um, his physiotherapist couldn't believe it. She's like, even the weakness in his, his leg is gone. There, there is no weakness there now. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so we, we, we just get better and better. And by the 11th of April, he was running into school. He was back on his bike a week later. Yep. Um, obviously, everything that I'm seeing is documented on my, my Facebook and public yep. post yep. and on Cole's, Cole's um, own Facebook page. Um, because I took videos every day to the extent now the boys are nine and 11 and they still, every time they're doing something, they go, oh, you want to video me? You want to yeah. video it? They're so used to me videoing them. Um, but yeah, um, the, the, it, it, was a, it was a miracle. I mean, there, there is no other word that I, can, that I can use. You know, I had been in a hospital with my child who, I think I said this previously, that, you know, I never, Cole, Cole was, was born with a disability. You know, it, he was born in his class as having brain damage because part of his brain is damaged. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I think of a child that's got brain damage, I don't think of Cole. Yeah. And Cole had never shown any, you, you know, if you've met Cole out, he was one of these kids that if he acted up after a seizure, it was almost embarrassing because people round about thought he was just a badly behaved child because he yeah, showed absolutely no form of his disability. Um, 
he is such a kind of happy, positive wee guy, and majority of his seizures were through the night, so nobody really got to see them except close family and me and his dad. Um, so from that to go to, you know, having to go to, we, we went to my, my friend's uh, wee boy's christening, mm-hmm. and it was it was in East Kilbride, and there actually wasn't a, a ramp for a wheelchair. Okay. Um, and, you know, I got his wheelchair out. I, I was really quite anxious because I thought we were going to walk in here and everybody's going to look at us, yeah. not because they're staring, but because they're going to go, oh, my goodness, like, they knew, they've known Cole since he was wee, and all of a sudden nobody would seen him for a couple of weeks, and boom, he's, he's in a wheelchair. Yeah. Um, and two of my friends, guys, were out of my cigarette, and they came and helped me lift the wheelchair in. And then when I went in, everybody was just absolutely gobsmacked at the difference in him. Um, Cole, true to himself, still wanted to get up and dance um, out of his wheelchair. And, um, you know, so I had had such a long time of, of coming to terms with Cole's disability being invisible yeah. to then having a visible disability and a wee boy that then became a poor wee soul that I couldn't communicate with because we, we didn't understand. I didn't understand anything he was trying to say. Yeah. Um, I remember in the hospital, um, I didn't ever cry in front of Cole. I'm quite bad for that. I don't really cry in front of my kids. Um, and I went to the bathroom to kind of pull myself together because I could feel myself. And um, I remember sitting in the toilet and I'm not religious. Okay. I don't pray to God. You know, for me, I'm all about the angels and energy and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I remember sitting in the toilet and thinking, please, God, if you can give him anything back, Please let him be able to speak to me. I just want to hear his voice. I just want to be able to understand him. And I want to, you know, for I, I just wanted to hear him laugh again. It was just awful. Yeah. It was the, you know, probably one of my darkest days of, of those of that time. To then Can you you're going to say carry on for for you know for to flip a switch and a couple of weeks later to watch him riding his bike. And all I can moan about is the fact that his dad has forgot to put his helmet on him when he, yeah. was, when he was cycling to school, you know. Just such a protective mother thing to do. Um, but yeah, it, it was just, it, was, it happened so quickly. Um, him deteriorating and then obviously thanks to, to the medical plan, it, it happened so quickly and we got him back. Um, so yeah, it was, um, it's been a, a hell of a journey. Where are we with the law now? So what, what's, what's, so a couple of things with the law and then what's, well, obviously we can tell by the, your facial expression there, uh, this isn't going to be good news, but uh, mm-hmm. the law and where you're positioned with the, the National Health Service as well, and like how are you how are you still accessing the cannabis oil and just the, the logistics of that, how's that working? Like what's, what's legal, what's not legal? What's the NHS's stance? Etc. Etc. We've not even got um, to it yet, and whether that's caused any hassles or um, it did, but we sorted it. Right, right, so sorted. That's yeah, one that of the boxes we've checked. Right. Um, so, so legally, um, as it stands, cannabis medicines are legal to prescribe, including THC, and I'm talking as high THC as you like. It is completely legal as long as it's prescribed by a doctor on the special register. Okay. There's a special register in Scotland and there's over 750,000 medical professionals on that register in the UK that can prescribe tomorrow if they see fit. Yeah. 
Okay. Not one of them is willing to prescribe. And the government and the NHS don't see anything wrong with that. They don't see that that's a system that's broken. They see that as well if they wanted to prescribe, they would prescribe. And when you spoke earlier about people giving me a bit of, of flack, that's one of the biggest things I get is listen to your medical professionals. They know best. And I completely disagree. Because for me, I think the person that knows best is the mum, dad, parent, whoever it is that's, that's the um, the uh, parent in their life, you know, whether it's granny, grand, aunt, uncle, mum, dad, whoever it is that's looking after that child, they know them better than anyone. Um, I know Cole better than anyone else. Um, and, and that's because I live and breathe him and he's mine. You know, I know when he's in pain before he even opens his mouth, you're not going to get that in a university. Yeah. I don't care what anybody says, right? Um, so also, I did listen to the medical professionals and they didn't give me anything else to go on. There wasn't a good option. It was, your son's either going to die or you're going to let us cut his brain in half and leave him in a wheelchair. And the fact that I chose an alternative route and got him better um, doesn't mean that I don't respect the medical professionals. It means that I decided that there was another option and I went for it. That's all there is. And, and your gut tells you. Um, so the law has been changed in November 2018 for what, what, it, what it was changed for is, you know, CBD was always able to be prescribed and it was always illegal. Yeah. The law change was to add THC into the mix because yeah. that wasn't legal. Since the law got changed, no one has been prescribed on the NHS cannabis-based medicine that includes THC. Um, we've had epidiolex, which is um, a CBD isolate, but that was able to be prescribed prior to the law being changed. So that that that's not anything that that's the, that the law change has done. Yeah. Um, so the law still stands exactly the same. If anything the change in law actually hindered the process. Because okay. prior to the law being changed, two people had, has and still have an NHS prescription for Bedrolite, the oil that Cole's currently taking privately. Yep. Um, and that was because before the law got changed, there was a panel in place and you could go on a case-by-case -case basis right. and go in front of the panel um, to show evidence and they would decide whether they believed that your child should have a prescription for Bedrolite. And that's where um, Alfie Dingley got his prescription. Sophia Gibson's parents got her prescription in Northern Ireland. Um, unfortunately, they had to move to Holland and then Sophia got taken off it after doing so well to come back here. They took her off it and she went into a coma and they fought and got it back. Um, and thankfully, she's the other one that's got an NHS prescription. And I'm still really close with um, Sophia's parents, um, and she's doing amazing. In fact, they put a lovely post up the other day, you know, how she went for a yearly check, and the hospital can't believe how amazing she's doing and how it's been over. I think it's over 18 months since she's had any emergency hospital admissions, which for, for Danielle and Darren must be incredible, because I'm talking they were getting rushed in an ambulance every other day. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't have that with Cole, thank goodness. So I, I can only imagine. So, so this, this, I hate calling it a drug as well, but we'll call it a drug at the moment. 
No, we won't. We won't. This oil, this plant, <laughs> is uh, is legal. So yes, uh, cannabis only oil. if you have it prescribed by a medical professional on the list. Right, and that's or or if you have it prescribed by a private consultant. So it's all right. It's legal if you get it prescribed by a private consultant and pay for it. Yeah. But nobody wants to prescribe it if you want it through the NHS for free because they don't agree with it through the NHS. But even though it's probably the same consultants that work NHS and privately. Yeah. But so do you ever do you ever get do you ever get MD that or have you ever had MD say to you sort of on the quiet, like within the medical community I'm I'm talking about? Obviously you've got all of this support for your local community, but these professionals, has anybody ever said to you, like, I can't really say this, but I think you've done the right thing or, or whatever, or is it just always a case of, no, cannabis is wrong, doesn't matter, all these positive results, we still can't say to you that it's right? No, no. there's there's no one that, that, no one in the medical um group of people that are around coal um i know medical professionals personally yeah. who know coal um my sister's a nurse um and they, they they're just like it's a no-brainer i'm not really sure what the block is here yeah. um there's also um there's people who will actually argue but they'll not just say no they, they still argue with me to say this is a hundred percent not cannabis that's doing this. This is phenytone, the most toxic drug pretty much you can get for kids. But it's the phenytone that, that got him out of a wheelchair and put him back on his feet within three weeks. That was not cannabis. They, it's not even that they're they're saying we're not sure. It's that they're saying it's absolutely not cannabis that's doing this, even though. I always say to people, see if this was a one-off and it was just coal. Yeah. I could maybe understand people not believing it. But there's 60 kids over the UK that are actively campaigning at the moment and their families to have access to not just cannabis oil. The majority of them are on Vegalite, the same oil as coal. Yeah. And I don't know of any other of the 60 kids that I'm talking about that take phenytone that have had the, exactly the same... Um, results they've had either major seizure reduction I'm talking kids that were having 200 seizures a day yeah. to maybe five a day um, or kids that are actually seizure free all of them are taking Vegalite or some form of cannabis oil with a THC and I don't know any of them that are on phenytone the majority of the parents have got the kids off all the other pharmaceutical drugs and they are only taking cannabis medicine yeah. but these are kids that were the same idea is cold they all have different forms of epilepsy all different ages yeah. boys girls um but every one of them has a uncontrollable epilepsy so very rare forms of epilepsy that is almost impossible to control yeah. that are now controlled um so you know if you look at cold as an individual you can see why people would maybe go that's a bit mental like surely no if that was the case, that would be available in the NHS. If that was the case, if what that lassie is saying is true, we would all have it, right? Um, but when you look at the fact that there isn't just coal, there's all these kids across the, the UK, um, and if you Google, you know, kids taking cannabis or 
cannabis available for children with epilepsy in the NHS, a million stories will come up and they'll all be very similar to Cole's. Yeah. And they're all very positive. Yeah. So how, how did... Uh... See, when you mentioned, you may, I'm certain you did, I might be putting words in your mouth here, but, but well, the video's there, but I'm sure you mentioned Brexit at the beginning. And the reason why I'm making a, a fuss or a point over that is, is because it, it, when I was making some notes today, because of the crazy year and a half that we've all had, uh, Brexit had just completely went out of my head. So I was only going to ask you about COVID and lockdowns and how you guys had been during all of this madness. But I'll... I'll I'll chuck the hand grenade that's Brexit into that as well. Because uh, all of this must have been... If, if your story isn't crazy enough as it is, you've then got to deal with all of this when the world shut down or yeah. we're now no trading as we were with all these countries where you're getting the medicine for a start. Uh, how's, how's the last year and a half been? <laughs> I mean, the majority of, of um, lockdown stuff um, on a personal level for, for me and the boys was great because they still got to see their dad. Um, I got loads done in the house. I got yeah. to spend amazing time with my boys. Um, my, my work were phenomenal. Literally before we um, went into lockdown, because I worked from the Royal Infirmary in Edinburgh and we had quite a lot of COVID cases in there, my yeah. boss said to me, go home, be with your kids. That's your priority, you know? So I was sent home a couple yeah. of weeks before lockdown and, and, and you know, all they cared about was making sure that my boys were safe because Dylan was born with one kidney as well. So, you know, um, she just wanted to make sure that, that, that me and the boys were fine. So so we had no concern. I was one of the fortunate ones that kept my job, kept my salary, um, and we were safe. Um, with regards to how it affected us on campaign level, it was a nightmare because we had all these um, fundraisers organised that had to be cancelled at the last minute. Uh, there was then no way of fundraising. We had to think out the box of ways to fundraise um, that we could do through lockdown, try to keep our heads above water. Um, there was a couple of months that, you know, David and I had to dip into our, our, our own money and start like reining in and making sure we had money to, to pay for it every month because there wasn't a, a big pot of money anywhere. Um, I contacted the government um, and NHS to ask for emergency funding because of this extreme circumstances. Now I, I was told no. Um, and then with Brexit, um, what happened with Brexit is because Coles Oil comes from Holland, yep. when the Brexit situation hit, I was given a phone call um, from the Chief Pharmaceutical Officer, Alison Straff, who, by the way, is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. um, out of everybody that I've had to deal with, and it'll be three years on the 14th of October that I've been campaigning, she is by far the best that I've ever had to deal with because she is on the ball. She genuinely cares. If I email her, she emails me straight back. Um, even if I'm being a bit of a maniac, she's straight on the email, calming me down. Um, and she emailed me the two weeks, a week or so just before Christmas to tell me that they just found out that the Brexit deal with Holland won't be going ahead. And as for the 31st of December, there was no way of, of getting Coles oil, yep. that they wouldn't honour the prescription from the UK. Um, thankfully, that all gets sorted. Um, and the, the UK government put a plan in place to sort that right up until January 2022. Yep. Um, but I believe that that's now going to be sorted um, with the 
Dutch government and the UK government and obviously the Scottish government are very much involved. So I don't have any concerns over that now. Um, and the other problem was, what was the, what was the other problem? Um, that, yeah, the, that, that um, enough to be getting on, we know. Uh, believe me, there was, there was so much. Uh, yep. you, asked, you asked earlier about the situation with the government and the NHS. And um, I'll give you an exclusive because I haven't told anyone yet, only Definitely because it, it, it hit me. It, it hit me when I was away um, at the weekend with my friends, and I, I thought, you know, I can't even deal with this right now. Um, so I got an email from, um, and I don't want to get our position wrong. I think it was clinical director or chief exec of Glasgow NHS Greater Glasgow and Clyde. Um, Monica Lennon had wrote a letter. Um, a couple of months ago, asking them for funding to be put in place, basically saying, you know, this was an emergency situation. It's unfair that I'm being put under the amount of stress that I'm to try and find this money every month. Yeah. And until such times as they catch up, would they put money in place? So she tried the government, that wasn't happening. I tried the government, that wasn't happening. So she tried NHS Glasgow, because NHS actually have a charity arm. We yeah. are, if if a relative dies and they're looked after in, say, Ward 4, that family might want to leave some money, so they leave money. And the money that's not ring-fenced for things like equipment or yeah. um, iPads, you know, the money that's not ring-fenced goes into a pot. And that pot is supposed to be used for people who are using something or, or, or medicine that's not available in the NHS. The loophole that I've got is that it is available in the NHS, they yeah. just won't prescribe it for me. So that's why they're saying, well, we can't give you money for it because it is available. Yeah. It's not our fault that nobody will prescribe it. But the reply that Monica got, she forwarded on to me. And after almost three years of high profile campaigning and speaking to everybody in the NHS, yeah. I got a reply back addressed to Ms. Cole. And all the way through the letter that, you know, this chief exec um, had referred to me as Ms. Cole. Um, and they even spoke about Cole Thompson in the letter, but for me it was Ms. Cole the whole way through. And I thought, it seems like such a daft wee thing to pick up on, right? But see when you're at that level, yeah. to have absolute utter disregard for me, that's what that they can't even be bothered I, to get my name yeah. right. It, it was just, I just thought that kind of sums up how I've been treated for three years. It's yeah they don't, you know, they don't see me as a human being or as a parent or somebody that, you know, fought with every inch of me for the last three years. Yeah. It, it, they, it's just annoyance almost. It's like they couldn't even be bothered. Now, I don't believe that that letter hasn't even been checked by a couple of people because when you're at that level of the NHS, you've got someone that types letters for you and then you sign them and then somebody posts them. You know, nobody's even bothered to check that. Yeah. Um, I know if it was me working in an office and my name popped up knowing how gobby I am on social media, I'd just triple check that letter over and over again, but clearly yeah. they couldn't be bothered. So that yeah. kind of <laughs> sums up where I'm at with the NHS. Um, the government, um, I'm, I'm no further forward with the government either. As I say, Alison Strauss has been amazing and she sorted out, it was her that helped me sort out Cole getting back on his Delanton. It was also her that sorted out the Brexit situation really quickly. Yeah. Um, and I believe that if there's anything going on in the background, that, that she's on it um, yeah. because she's, she's been tremendous. I'm hoping that that's the case. I'm hoping that it's went quiet because there's something going on in the background that I just don't know about yet. Yeah. Um, 
but we'll see. So I, I know that the, the figure, I know what the figure is because you, you, you were talking about it on your social media, but just for the podcast, like, uh, what, what were you guys having to find every month through the, the, the fundraising? And that's going up now as well, I believe. Yeah, we were up at like 1,200, I think, or 1,400, and then we got a discount. Um, okay. um, Target, who, who are the importers for Coles Medicine and all the other kids, went to um, Transvaal and Vegacan and basically said, you know, like through this lockdown, can we get a discount? So it kind of dropped down to 900, um, but the coal increasing his dose, um, getting bigger and stronger, his doses jumped back up again. So we're now at, it's £1,140 every 28 days um, because a private prescription can only run for 28 days, so it's not even a full month. Okay. So it's £1,140 um, every every 28 days at the moment. Um, and, you know, that I think will be for the foreseeable because I've just increased it and got an extra bottle. So I think that'll probably do them for any more than one or two increases okay. um, which should be a wee while because you don't need to increase it that much he's not growing that quickly right. um, thankfully even though he's a, he's a wee skinny mini I'd, <laughs> I'd like him to put a wee bit of beef on but yeah, um, yeah it, it's, it's difficult when you're you know that the minute he grows what you want to see mm-hmm. um, to put that dose up yeah. means another nearly 200 pounds every time yeah. that dose goes up you know you think oh here we go that means it's a, another wad of cash added on so we had it was 900 pounds every month and we had like a, a kind of amount in the bank that was going to last us but then obviously because it jumped up yeah. by nearly another 300 quid then you know, it's not lasted just quite as long so yeah. i'd started fundraising again the other day just because there's no movement in the government there's no movement for the nhs after I got that letter from NHS Glasgow, basically couldn't even get my name right. I thought, well, there's no chance of them funding my, my kids' medicine. So I thought I'll just have to get the begging bowl out again. And I was dead honest. I'm tired, you know. Um, I get quite a lot of people saying to me, oh, I'll do a, an event for you or we'll we'll give you our, our hotel or our pub or yeah. a restaurant to do an event. But the hardest part of an event is putting bums in seats. Yeah. So, you know, that's the bit that drains me because I have to go to the same people that I've been going to for three years and asking them to still support us. And everybody's been phenomenal and the support that Coles had has been incredible. But everybody's got their own stuff going on, you know, and in three years, people have lost their job. COVID's hit major business businesses, people. Um, there's folk that are losing people to cancer, um, dementia you know they've got their own charities their own causes that are close to their own heart that they want to raise money for or they want to donate to they don't want to have to be funding coal um and that's just the way of the world whether you know it sounds harsh or not it's true um it's three years down the line and and i'm so grateful that we've still got the support we have it's just it's kind of it's kind of drying up a bit now um there's a, a girl who is on my facebook um, Lindsay, um, and, and she's lovely. I, I've never even met her, um, and she's massive on TikTok. She's a big TikTok person, um, and she's trying to train me on how to do TikTok videos okay. and stuff. So, I, I mean, I, when I say TikTok videos, I'm not doing all that crazy dancing. It, it's literally just posting videos of Cole to share yeah. his story. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of opened up a new world um, for the fundraising side to hope that, the people on TikTok take coal into their heart and, and help us fundraise a wee bit. Um, so, yeah, it's just 
was trying to think out the box now of different ones because the days of hiring a hall and creating an event and selling tickets are kind of not there at the moment. People are still scared. Um, the, the COVID cases are rising again. People yeah. are a bit terrified. I don't want to put anyone in that position. Um, I know from my point of view, I'm kind of living as normal a life as I can um, within the rules, but not everybody wants to even come out anymore. They're, they're just, they're scared. So I wouldn't want to put that on anyone to, you know, come out and raise money for coal if they're not comfortable. So we're trying to do as much as we can online. It's just, not how, it's just one of those things, isn't it, about that we don't realise that the lockdown or the pandemic, uh, like you've got COVID that everybody has to deal with, but then someone in your position, just that other layer of, of problem that, that it adds, uh, there's going to be so many fallouts for this and so many different areas. Uh, we'll give all the social media and the GoFundMe and stuff a, wee, a shout out just in a wee second before we we, 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 we wrap it up. But uh, how far into the future do you look? How 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 does that look to you on like good days or or the best days? Or are you hopeful that this will? You must lose faith sometimes, but how hopeful are you that this will be like antibiotics one day or it'll be like asthma inhalers or heart medicine that... Do you know, you got the doctor... Is that... I've got absolutely no doubt that, you know, I don't know how long it'll take, but at one point we will look back and think, I can't believe I went through all of that to get cannabis because it'll be probably in supermarkets at that point, you know. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, look at the CBD market at the moment. Five years ago, if you do, if you're doing any shop and there was CBD, you'd have thought you were in Amsterdam. Yeah. You know, and now it's everywhere. Yeah. Um, all these celebrities are promoting it. Um, it's everywhere. So I'm hopeful. Um, and I do genuinely believe that it will be available. I don't know how openly available it will be in the NHS. I'd like to see that it was openly available in the NHS. I'd like to see that, like I said in the last podcast, that there is a, a choice, there's an option, and it's not a case of. Um, you have to go on opiates because cannabis is bad. Um, that's that, you know I would like to think there was a balance there. Um, future, um, I go through phases where I have days and I think, I, you know, like I'll get letters or I'll have meetings. Um, I work away in the background and I have meetings with the government or NHS, and I think I come off it and I think that's it. This is it. Yeah. And then I get an email two weeks later. It almost reads like that meeting didn't take place. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I clearly was in a different meeting from you guys because that's not what I took from that. Yeah. Um, and it's an absolute slap in the face. So I, I always say to my mum, um, anybody that I phone after these meetings and say, you know, my boss, I always phone my boss and, and she's dead funny because she'll go, right, right, let's not get our hopes up. But, you know, um, and I'll say, I think this is it. This sounds positive. And then it's two weeks later, so that's another slap in the face. And that's, it's when I get the slap in the face because I take people at face value and I have, most of it's been Zoom recently. So when you meet people and you tell them about your story and you tell them about Cole and they're saying, I can't even begin to imagine, you know, I'm a parent. Yeah. I, I can't even begin to imagine what you've went through and that's terrible. You've had to go through that and I'll do anything I can and I'll try my hardest to fix this for you. And then you get an email that says, as per clinical decision, blah, blah, blah. We can't do anything. It's a clinical decision. And it's almost like they've just copied and pasted a, a paragraph from a letter that you had three years ago. 
Um, so it's, um, yeah, um, I suppose for me, actually when I do my, my walking, I do a lot of walking and when I do walking, I listen to like The Secret and stuff. And <laughs> yesterday I was out walking and I was listening to the chapter on gratitude. Okay. Um, and it was about, you know, you have to be grateful. Um, and I am grateful. So I tried to kind of remember where we were. And although it is a struggle trying to find this kind of money and it is exhausting, you know, I've got my boy back. And no matter what they throw at me, COVID, Brexit, lockdowns, you know, um, I'm always I'm always laughed at because I always said, I don't know if you've ever seen her documentary, but when I did BBC Disclosure documentary, I think I might have said I'd sell my house about 50 times. Right. To the extent my friend Paul used to send me screenshots of the ugliest pictures of me where I'd sell my house across the front <laughs> of it. Um, but yeah, you know, with money there's always options there's always ways of finding it um but with cool's illness you know I, you, you've got to be grateful I've, i'm one of the fortunate ones you know cool's an absolute superstar i mean that's how he wants to be a youtuber now might yeah. try and get maybe a tiktoker actually <laughs> that might be the new thing i think youtube's like facebook it's going out possibly um, so yeah he's um he's you know he's great um we were at Airthrill yesterday and he was he was buzzing about and, and loving life. So I, I'm I'm grateful. Every day I have to remind myself how far we've came and how grateful I am to have him back to full health. And then sorry, I thought that was him coming down. I was going to get him to come and say hello, but he's he's um disappeared back up the stairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um as hard as it is, um it could be a lot worse. I don't. I, I would. I was sitting thinking just every as you were speaking there about just. I don't know. I, I can't. I, do you know for anybody listening and for yourself, Lisa? Obviously, I, I'm not going to add anything to that because there's nothing that you as Cole's mum. You've said it all. There's nothing I can add to that whatsoever. I just think. I just think you're amazing. I really do. I think. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, do you know? I always remember you saying about taking compliments and stuff, but. I know that this is about the wee guy, but I just think as his mum, just the work that you do is, yeah, yeah, you're amazing. So, uh, thank you. No, God. Uh, let's give a shout out to your social media pages and uh, the GoFundMe. So, uh, the we'll share them as well uh, on on the podcasts, Instagram and stuff, but do you know them off the top of your head just to, for anybody that's listening or watching, they can maybe take them? Yes, so Cole's Facebook page is Cole's Fund for Sick Kids, purely because I can't change the name and I set it up years ago when I used to raise money for the hospitals, by the way. So it's it's Cole's Fund for Sick Kids and that'll give everybody um, Cole's journey, videos, um, all that kind of stuff. And then his GoFundMe page um, is under Cole's Life Saving Medicine. Um, and again the link for that is pinned at the top of his Facebook page um, it's also on my Facebook page which all Cole's posts are public anyway yeah. right Lisa uh, thank you so much uh, yeah just keep keep I think you're, you're so right about the gratitude thing uh, especially regarding the wee guy's health but 
hope's a wonderful thing as well. Just, I think, do you know, do you know what I think? I think that when you made that decision that this was the way you were going to go, that must have been inspired by hope. It must have been, it must have been like, uh, do you know, we're going to try this and I hope there's that. A, there's a quote that I shared in one of my videos and I'm sure it's never give up hope because miracles happen every day. And that's 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 definitely one of the, the, the quotes that sticks to me because it's true. Yeah. And you've got to hope. You've got to stay positive. And he's up the stairs on uh, spending... I think, he's fight, I think he's actually fighting with his brother at the moment. I could hear them shouting at each other because um, Cole's in one room and Dylan's in the other and they're both on their Xbox probably competing. Um, and every now and then they'll run into each other's room, winding each other up. And um, again, as much as I draw my eyes and I'll come off this and go upstairs and give <laughs> them a big row because they've interrupted my my uh, <laughs> podcast. Um, again, you know, we never had that. We never had that. Um, my boys couldn't even play with each other. So that's a that's quite a, a nice thing as well. Yep. Um, Cole actually asked me earlier if I was if I was famous because <laughs> I was listening to a previous podcast just so I knew where I was at and yeah. what point. And I had it through the Alexa while I was cooking dinner. And Cole came into the kitchen, he kind of looked about and he went, are you on the Alexa? I said, yeah, it's through my phone. And he said, are you famous too? <laughs> right, Lisa, thank you so much. I'll let you get to the boys uh, and the dogs. And Yes, <laughs> back to my crazy life. Uh, this will be, we're recording on Thursday, guys, so this will be available on Saturday morning, and I'll, I'll tag you in and do what we do. Brilliant. All right? Okay, great. Okay, Thank you so much for having me. No worries you at too. all. My pleasure. All take right, care. take care. Take care. Bye. 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 Bye.